Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com And here we go again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this Wednesday podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Remember, if you want to get hold of me, you can do that a couple different ways. My email is miller at millerfrostonline.com, and my parlor handle, that is at Miller Frost. White boy Malcolm X, I see that you are over there. You got your Italian beer. You are chilling out over there. You doing okay today? Me? I am, uh, I'm okay, to be frank with you. The news stories, folks, I have to just warn you, be a little upfront, be transparent with you. They are, well, I should just say this. Life, when it hands you lemons, you make lemonade, right? So I, folks, I have taken the lemons of these news stories and I am making delicious, I like to think I am making delicious almost teacher-baked quality lemonade with this from these news stories. And I know you high school teachers out there going, teacher-baked, teacher-baked, where, 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 where's that teacher-baked, where's that teacher-baked? Calm down, just settle down, ladies. Just slow your roll. We will get to your teacher-baked story. And yes, I do have one. It might perk up your ears when we get to it. And yes, White Boy Malcolm X, gay at the front and smoking gun at the back of our news stories. But we have a couple of things to dig into before we get there, sir. So you too need to slow your roll. As we like to do on this program, we do like to start off with corrections. And no, I am not going to apologize to a transgender for misgendering them. I have not done that lately. (laughs) So I guess the Caitlyn Jenner one was the last one. But no, we do have a correction from a Wednesday story, but not along those lines. And it has to do with our story involving Patrice Cooler's who is part of Black Lives Matter. She is one of the founders. We had a story about her buying a million-dollar-plus home in a mostly white neighborhood. And that is true. That is not our correction. What I did not tell you, folks, because I did not know at the time, is that this latest purchase, her $1.4 million property, is one of several that she has been doing. So I did not give you the complete picture. I'm sitting there going, she's come to do good and is doing very well indeed. Well, folks, my correction is not that she's doing very well. She's doing very, very, very well, apparently. So let's go ahead and dig into this to learn a little bit more about how well she is doing. And the first correction, I guess, Patrice Coolers is what I've been calling her because that's what's in most of the news stories. But apparently, folks, She has a hyphenated last name. Her wife is Janaya Khan, and she is apparently Patrice Khan Coolers. So that hyphenated last name, that explains a lot. Because what do I say about people with hyphenated last names, especially leftists? They are crazy, angry nutjobs. And Patrice Coolers is an angry, angry lesbian and a nutjob. 
She is a well-off nut job, right? But let's go ahead and dig in. This is from American Greatness. So this correction comes from them. BLM co-founder buys multiple luxurious homes across the country. And here are a couple pull quotes. Since the beginning of the official Black Lives Matter organization, one of the group's co-founders has spent over $3 million on multiple luxurious homes across the United States, as reported by the New York Post. The 37-year-old Patrice Kahn Coolers has brought several homes in California and Georgia since 2016. Her most recent purchase was a 2,370-square-foot home in Malibu, Los Angeles last month, consisting of two separate houses on a larger ranch property worth approximately $1.4 million. And that is what we reported on last Wednesday. But here's where it gets even better. In 2020, Con Coolers and her wife, Janiah Khan, purchased a property in Conyers, Georgia for about $415,000. That home contains three bedrooms, two baths, an indoor swimming pool. Man, she is living large and an RV shop. <laughs> And folks, I am sure there is a joke there about two lesbians and an RV shop on the property, but we're not going to go there, as well as its own runway and private hangar. So this chick, folks, her and her lesbian lover have their very own airplane runway and private hangar for when they buy a jet. Con Coolers purchased this home shortly after publishing her book, When They Call You a Terrorist. And so if you folks are at home going, man, that is a lot for a civil rights activist to have. Not only does she have a $1.4 million house in Malibu, just like Barbie, but she's got another house in Conyers, Georgia. It's got its own RV shop, so if her RV breaks down, she can repair it at home. It's got its own airplane runway. It's got its own airplane hangar. Man, that is a lot for a civil rights activist to have. Well, folks, well, first, two things. <laughs> One, all the good civil rights activists are multimillionaires. Why does this shock you? It shouldn't. It doesn't shock me. But two... Folks, that's not all she's bought. <laughs> so settle down out there. We got more to go. Back in 2016, shortly after their marriage, the couple bought a home in Inglewood, California for $510,000. That home features three bedrooms and 1.5 bathrooms and is now estimated to be worth at least $800,000. So this chick, this leftist civil rights activist, has not one but two homes in the greater Los Angeles market. And if you folks are out there going, man, that's kind of crazy. Not only does she have one home in Conyers, Georgia, she's got two homes in Los Angeles. Folks, there's more. <laughs> she doesn't have two homes in Los Angeles, folks. She's got three. In 2018, they purchased a 1,725-square-foot four-bedroom house for approximately $590,000. The home, located in South Los Angeles, is now estimated to be worth around $720,000. And if you folks are like, Man, Miller, that is just too much. Not only does she have one home in Georgia, she's got three homes in Los Angeles. That woman can never get stuck in traffic because she's got homes scattered throughout. She can just pull over at any time. Man, that's so much. I can't, I can't take anymore. Well, you better, folks, because there is even more. Because if you think four homes, three of which are in Los Angeles, if you think four homes are enough for this woman, you are wrong. <laughs> no. Here is one last pull quote for you, and then I'm done. So if you are on the verge of breaking down over this, it's okay. Just one more house, and then we're done. In addition to their excessive domestic spending, the couple has also been seen touring possible properties for purchase in the Bahamas, specifically at a resort called the Albany. So if you own property at the Albany in the Bahamas, you are in for a lot of fun when Patrice and Janiyah show up. <laughs> 
Just make sure to run run the other way when you see those two chicks coming at you. Good God. That is a lot. Patrice, you redefine, honey. You redefine, come to do good, and have done very, 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 very well indeed. I guess Ibram X. Kendi's probably going, man, I feel poor next to these chicks, and I got millions of dollars too. It's okay, folks. Ibram, you other social justice warriors, Colin Kaepernick, you fake social justice warrior out there, don't you folks worry. There is plenty of Benjamins to go around. You will all get woke and rich at the same time. So it's okay. Slow your roll. You will get there in time. And don't worry, creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer, he will be handing out Benjamins as well. Man, white boy Malcolm X, that, that was an exhausting correction. I cannot believe I screwed up that bad. I should have known, folks, and I... I take all the blame for this. I should have known that when a social justice warrior purchases a million-dollar-plus home, they probably got more of them floating around there somewhere. <laughs> I should have done more due diligence on this, so I apologize for screwing up that Patrice Con Coolers and her wife, Janaya, have not one expensive house. They got a bunch of them floating around. Okay, now that that is done, and I hope I don't have to report on her again, but yeah, I'm not that lucky. Let's go ahead and jump into our news quick hits. White Boy Malcolm X, I do want a short podcast. I kind of like that 40-something minute podcast we had last week, so let's go ahead and aim for that again. And yes, folks, I just cursed myself to an hour and 20 minutes or something, but let's try our best. This is from the Post Millennial. NBC says that lack of white supremacists at White Lives Matter rallies is evidence of white supremacy. So yes, folks, the left's Favorite bogeyman is back. Yes, bogeyman, white boy Malcolm X. Well, I know it's in America, it is boogeyman, but we do have fans of ours. People do download the podcast in Great Britain. So I said bogeyman because that's what they call them (laughs) on the British crime shows that I watch. So I hope that's right. But oh, well, if it's not, you all can laugh at me later. Here are a couple pull quotes on those dastardly white supremacists. NBC ran a story about so-called White Lives Matter protests that were planned for the weekend, to which basically nobody showed up. In Brandy's a drony's eyes, and folks, I assume that is the dopey reporter chick over at NBC, the lack of attendance meant that the white supremacist has simply been forced out of the public square and into the underground. But perhaps the lack of attendance means that there just aren't that many white supremacists out there. The poor showing underscores how the country's unpopular and disorganized extremist movements have been driven underground by increased scrutiny from the media, law enforcement agencies, and far-left activists who infiltrate their private online spaces and disrupt their attempts to communicate and organize NBC rights. And White Boy Malcolm X, I have no idea what they mean by increased scrutiny by the media. They have been scrutinizing all these fictitious white supremacists since last year, right, folks? Because we have had tons and tons and tons and tons of mostly peaceful protests, generally speaking, by, I think, a couple of black people, but a lot of hysterical white chicks, millennial white chicks are in there. The stormtroopers of the BLM movement, they're all out there rioting and looting and having a grand gay old time trashing the place. And what do the media do? They stand there with rioting and looting and fires behind them saying, this is a peaceful protest. But out there lurking, lurking in the shadows, are white supremacists. We know they're around here, and we'll find them one of these days. 
and they can never find them, right, folks? They had these White Lives Matter rallies, and nobody showed up. And what's NBC's brilliant deduction? It's because NBC and the media and the popo have driven them underground. They are hiding from us. So. And that is the perfect bogeyman, right? The one you don't have to produce, right? They can go around and sow fear in the minds of the general population about these Horrible white supremacists out to overthrow the U.S. government, out to do all sorts of things, start a race war, and they don't actually ever have to produce any white supremacists to make this narrative work for them, right? That is the typical media narrative there. Let us create a fictitious bogeyman and let us run around and complain that they're there and never, ah, we don't have to produce them. Because if we say they went underground, we don't have to worry about it. Unfortunately for the media, nobody trusts them anymore, so good luck over there at NBC with your New narrative about white supremacists lurking about. Like a broken record, white boy Malcolm X, I tell you what. Ugh, God, I don't even want to report on this dumb chick. Speaking of stupid chicks, and I'm not even talking about some dope in the media. CNBC, Greta Thunberg says she won't attend COP26 summit if vaccine nationalism continues. So the world's most famous hysterical 18-year-old I think they actually put up that dumb statue of her at that stupid university. But yeah, she is out there. And I saw a picture of her. White Boy McElmish, did you see that picture of her in the news article on CNBC site? That scowl? Man, folks, just Google Greta Thunberg and look for her pictures. (laughs) I promise you, folks, she is not smiling. If you think that's a smile, no, that's just a variation of her typical scowl. (laughs) That is one surly teenager. God help her parents. Bless their hearts. (laughs) I can't imagine having a surly, bratty teenager in the house in the first place, but I cannot imagine having that one, that fame whore Greta Thunberg, living under my roof either. Let's go find out what Greta is unhappy about now. Teenage climate activist Greta Thunberg has said she will not attend a high-profile United Nations Climate Change Summit if current vaccination trends continue. Thunberg tweeted Friday morning in a response to a BBC report which said she had no plans to attend the summit, known as COP26, which is due to take place in Glasgow, Scotland in November. Of course I would love to attend the Glasgow COP26, but not unless everyone can take part on the same terms, Thunberg tweeted. And I guess, folks, she is talking about equity. And folks, what do we know about equity here on the Miller-Frost Show? Somebody's about to get screwed. She argued that many countries were vaccinating healthy young people against COVID-19 at the expense of higher-risk groups and frontline workers in other countries. Vaccine nationalism won't solve the pandemic, Thunberg said, arguing that global problems need global solutions. Well, I am so glad, folks, that Greta Thunberg has imparted her wisdom, her 18-year-old wisdom upon us. She wants vaccine equity before she will darken the doorway before she will bother to show up at this COP26 thing in Glasgow, Scotland. And you folks over there in Glasgow, I would, uh, yeah, I would hope and pray that that dumb chick doesn't doesn't show up at your door because she's just going to give you more headaches than than you deserve. And even though you work for the United Nations, that corrupt body, (laughs) that horrible institution, even you do not deserve to have Greta Thunberg showing up at your door. So hope and pray that, uh, Vaccine equity does not take place. And folks, I just don't understand what this bratty 18-year-old teenager expects the world to do, right? Because some of these vaccines have to be stored at extremely low temperatures to be effective, right? Before you can give the shots. That is a large carbon footprint 
to be shipping these things all over the world in the first place. And now she wants them to go through and count them. So, okay, the United States, you get this many. And uh, Sudan, you get this many. And Thailand, you get this many. And everyone gets equal amounts, right? Everything's got to be equal because they got to be out on the same terms. So, yes. And the other thing I'm wondering about, folks, how does she expect us after we have divided equally all these vaccines out, right? We have divided them out. How does she expect us to get these around the world, right? Because Greta, when she needs to travel outside of her country, if she can't take a train, she takes a yacht. So when she came to the U.S., she went to New York, she went to the U.N., and she lectured all the adults just like a bratty, hysterical teenager would. She took a yacht. So I'm wondering, folks, if we need, because you can't fly these vaccines, right? Because that is too large of a carbon footprint, right? If you're taking these vaccines and you've got to fly them to all these different countries and you've got to have equal amounts, right? So if everyone's getting, say, a million doses, that's not a lot of room on a plane. That, though, is a huge carbon footprint. So I don't know if we have a fleet of yachts to get these, <laughs> get these vaccines around. I don't know what this spoiled brat wants us to do to equitably distribute these vaccines across the globe because if you fly them she's really going to get pissed off at you right but i don't know if we've got enough yachts floating around there that uh, that we can ship these things we might have to take some confiscate them in the name of social justice and woke and equity to get these vaccines where they need to go in a carbon neutral way you know what i am looking forward to though white bone max i am and you folks out there i am looking forward to the day that nobody gives a crap about what Greta Thunberg has to say, right? She'll be some like 28, 29-year-old chick. God knows what she'll be doing, but then there'll be some new, fresher, more obnoxious Greta Thunberg out there that the media love and adore and worship and put her on a pedestal. And Greta will be like, nobody wants to pay attention to me anymore. I mean, she's still going to be bratty and scowly <laughs> doing God knows what, doing her woke social justice thing with the UN. She'll always have a paycheck, folks. I'm not worried about her. She will always be a kind of low-level member of the ruling class. But when the limelight is off her, as much as she likes that attention and she's not getting it, man, I tell you what, folks, she is going to get really super double butthurt <laughs> when she wants to throw a fit and everyone's like, Greta, who? Who is that dumb chick over there? <laughs> so bless your heart, Greta. Bless it in advance of the day that you wake up and you are completely irrelevant. From Boston.com, racism and obesity are inextricably linked, says a Harvard doctor, and here's how she thinks that can change. So yes, folks, another douchebag doctor over at Harvard is spewing out some more woke pablum for the masses. Let's dig in and find out a little bit more about this one. Systemic racism plays a significant role when it comes to black, indigenous, and people of color experiencing obesity, according to a recent article by two experts from Harvard. So that headline is a little misleading. There is not one, but there are two douchebag Harvard doctors over there spewing out that woke garbage. And the interlocking of the two issues is far-reaching, the article says. It includes the ongoing stress that goes along with experiencing racism and statistics that show that businesses like dollar stores, which sell highly processed foods, crop up in poor and minority neighborhoods. The makers of these foods also engage in <gasps> disproportionate marketing towards BIPOC, particularly black and Hispanic kids. So folks, those wizards of SMART over at Harvard have determined that racism and obesity are linked, 
So I guess that racism is the independent variable and obesity is the dependent variable. So as racism increases, and let's face it, folks, it is due to increase with all these white supremacists lurking about. As that increases, so does obesity. And conversely, if ever racism were to decrease, which let's face it, folks, there are too many people invested in having that happen, right? All these good woke folk getting rich off of racism. So that is never going to happen, right? So if by really odd chance, some weird event happened where racism decreased, obesity should also decrease. And that, I think, is what they call a spurious correlation, right? Because correlation is not causation. So just because as one goes up, another goes up, or as one goes down, another goes down, or as one goes up, one goes down, and vice versa, that does not mean they are linked. One does not cause the other. A great example of that is ice cream sales and shark attacks, right? Because as ice cream sales go up, so do shark attacks, right? But ice cream sales do not drive shark attacks. It is warm weather, right? Because warm weather is the independent variable, right? As temperatures go up, so do ice cream sales, right? And as temperatures go up, more people go to the beach, more people get in the water, more sharks attack, right? (laughs) So that is an example of a spurious correlation, ice cream sales and shark attacks. And they are saying that racism leads to obesity. To me, it's just, it's a really nice headline if you are a woke folk, right? To woke Miller, that headline is like a, It's like eye candy, right? Oh, look at that. Racism and obesity, right? They can blame whitey on BIPOC folk being fat, right? (laughs) They just blame us for their problems, right? There's stuff in their faces. And somehow that's my fault, I guess, because white power, white supremacy, white fragility, (laughs) white, 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 whatever they got, whatever they say, that is a, that's their excuse for obesity in the BIPOC folk. It is racism. They're not bothering with mediating or moderating factors. And folks, I am not going to go into all of that with you there. But yeah, that is not as clean cut as they like to think. And another example, not just ice cream sales and shark attacks. I did see this. This was a Fox News headline. CNN's Kumo, and that is Fredo Kumo, folks, drops 45% of viewers since Big Brother scandal surfaced. And the Big Brother is Andy Kumo over in the New York governor's office. So Fox News there is They are relating Fredo's drop in ratings to Andy's problems, right? That is a negative correlation there, right? Because as Andy's scandals increase, Fredo's ratings drop. So Fox News is linking. They are saying that there is a correlation between Fredo's ratings and Andy's problems. A negative correlation, but they are hinting there that those two things are linked. And I would tell the folks over at Fox News, hey, I respectfully disagree with your assessment that Fredo's ratings are linked to Andy's scandals. I would just say that Fredo Kumo is a train wreck of a broadcaster and a hysterical drama queen. Not as good a hysterical drama queen as Jake Tapper, right? That blooming idiot hysterical drama queen as well. But Fredo, nobody wants to watch him anymore. I think that Andy's scandals are completely not related. People are just tired of watching that dope on CNN. (laughs) That idiot drama queen over on CNN, that half-wit. Everyone knows the only reason he has his job is because of his brother. And people are like, ah. I am done watching that loser. There are plenty of other losers on CNN to watch. Why watch that one? But don't you worry out there, folks. I have no doubt in my mind that those dopey douchebags over at Harvard are crafting new and exciting theories about how white racism is affecting negatively the BIPOC folk out there. So don't worry. This one is a bit of a stretch, but you know what? Hey, they're going to keep trying because they love dishing out how whitey sucks. Speaking of how Whitey sucks, this one is from the College Fix. Ohio State employs 150 diversity officials. Now it will hire 50 professors focused on social and racial justice. Hmm, 
just what a college campus needs. <laughs> More woke folk around there beating up on Whitey. Ohio State University recently announced it plans to hire 50 faculty members focused on addressing social equity and racial disparities. And folks, what do we say about the word equity here on the Miller Frost Show when you see that word? Someone's about to get screwed. The news comes as an economics professor and higher education watchdog calculated that the public university currently employs 150 diversity officials at a cost of $12 million annually. And folks, I don't know what anyone's complaining about. 150, that's it? That's all, <laughs> that's all those clowns over at Ohio State employ? Do you know, folks, that Ohio State has an undergraduate population? Now, according to usnews.com, Ohio State has an undergraduate population of 46,818 students. And folks, if you take that number, 46,818, and divide it by 150, that is 312 students per woke folk on that campus, right? And that is a lot of extra work for each diversity official, right? Because you have 312, and okay, maybe not that many, but you probably got at least 200, 250 white students each that you got to go around and berate for being white. (laughs) That is a lot of work, folks. That is a lot of effort that they got to do, right? They got to run around and beat up on Whitey all day, every day. And there are tens of thousands of them running around and there are only 150 people to do it. They got to add more staff. They got to get them somewhere else, right? So they're going to hire 50 professors so they can put them in the classrooms. So the diversity officials, all they have to do is focus on Whitey when he's not in the classroom. Then they got the woke folk in the classroom to beat up on them when they're there. So they are covered wherever these students are. If they're in the classroom, if they're not in the classroom, they are going to hear it from the woke folk. In a 2021 State of the University address, President Christina Johnson, and yes, folks, she is another dopey, angry white chick on a college campus trashing Whitey. To make herself appear more woke, stated last month that she was encouraged by the Task Force on Racism and Racial Inequities to hire 150 new faculty within a new initiative called RAISE, which stands for Race, Inclusion, and Social Equity. At least 50% of our RAISE faculty will be scientists, artists, and scholars whose work addresses social equity and racial disparities in fields such as healthcare, education, justice and public safety, resources and the environment, the arts and creative expression, economic opportunity, and leadership, building on what is already world-class scholarship across our colleges, Johnson stated. Well, I think, folks, that this is a wonderful idea that President Christina Johnson is doing. Let's face it, folks, if you are working on a college campus, you are there for the country club lifestyle, right? You are not there to bust your butt and do a lot of work, right? So you need as many woke folk running around that campus bashing whitey as you can get, right? So they had 150. They're going to add another 50 people. So you've got 200 people. You're spreading them out, trashing whitey every corner of that campus. Whitey is going to hear about how they suck and how they oppress the BIPOC folks. So this is a wonderful idea for Christina Johnson to do. I think, folks, that she should spend more money more taxpayer money in the state of Ohio. Honey, you need to go big on this. Think like your creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer and just spend, spend, spend $12 million. You are a rank amateur, dear, if that's all you're spending on social equity and racial disparities. You need to spend $120 million. Don't waste anyone's time with anything under $100 million. I would say I feel bad for the folks of Ohio paying for this crap, but I live in Massachusetts, so... God knows what I'm paying for. 
And for our last news quick hit story, since the last couple of them haven't annoyed me enough, this one is from Tal Road. LGBTQ conversion practices cause more severe trauma and PTSD than we thought. Study also finds faith helps with recovery. Uh Uh-oh, let's find out more about this. New research reveals the harms of religion-based LGBTQA+. Jesus Christmas, they are adding more letters to this this nonsense, white boy Malcolm X, folks. I have no idea what the A in LGBTQA is. I would have figured that the plus would have handled the A. But I guess not. They just keep throwing more letters on. Thankfully, we only have 26. They are going to run out at some point. Conversion practices are more severe than previously thought. People who have been harmed by attempts to change or suppress their sexuality or gender identity are often left with chronic, complex trauma and face a long journey of recovery. Let me tell you folks over at Tal Road something, right? Because we cannot get rid of this LGBTQA plus conversion therapy. We cannot get rid of it. And if you're like, Miller, Miller, what the hell are you talking about? These things are very harmful. They're destructive to people. We've got to ban them across the globe. Folks, you queens out there who are screaming at this podcast right now, just calm down for a second. Just hear me out on this one. Look, we cannot cancel this because if we cancel this, you want to talk about chronic complex trauma and giving that to someone. What do you think is going to happen to Milo Yiannopoulos when you tell him that he has to shut down his conversion therapy center and day spa down there in Florida, right? He needs money, folks. He needs bank to uh, pay for his quote unquote... his platonic roommate down there, right? He still has a roommate. I guess they used to have sex, but they're not having sex any longer. Yes, apparently Milo does slip up every couple hundred days. He goes to a legs in the air party. He is the power bottom of the room. (laughs) Allegedly, who knows, maybe. But folks, but he has to give his platonic roommate, he has to give him a Porsche every year, and he has to keep giving him Givenchy, whatever the hell he's giving this kid with uh, the Givenchy label on it. But Milo Yiannopoulos needs funding to do this, right? And he is doing that right now through his conversion therapy center and day spa. And yes, folks, it's one of those day spas where you get the happy ending. So we cannot shut these down until Milo Yiannopoulos has a new way to fleece money out of people, right? Because this is his latest shtick. And until he has a new one, until he has more revenue coming in a different way, we have to keep these things open. So I understand that there may be damage for other people, but look, folks, you got to take one for the team, right? <laughs> you just got to just bear through it. You got to grin and bear it for now until Milo can find himself a new vehicle to make extra bank. Yeah, folks, Milo Yiannopoulos is our favorite ex-gay here on the Miller Frost Show. So. The guy's got himself a gay conversion therapy center and a day spa. Yeah, I mean, that is good for a couple laughs. So we can't shut that down too soon because you know, folks, you know there's going to be some train wreck stories coming out of that thing at some point. Okay, now that we are done with our news quick hits, let's go ahead and jump into our news pile. Yes, Wipeout Malcolm X, I already said it, but I'm going to say it again. Gay at the front, smoking gun at the back. This one is from The Advocate. Speaking of conversion therapy, (laughs) sponsor of Arkansas anti-trans bill says kids might identify as cats. Uh Uh-oh, I hope they don't require a litter box. Let's find out more about that. Arkansas, which has already passed two anti-transgender bills in this legislative session, is advancing another one, and its sponsor is worried that students are identifying as animals. The state's House of Representatives Thursday approved House Bill 1749, 
which would bar public schools and state colleges and universities from requiring that teachers use students' preferred names and pronouns if those differ from a student's biological sex, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette reports. It now awaits Senate action. Supporters say the legislation is necessary to protect teachers who might be sued or face other negative consequences for not using a student's preferred terms. It's not compelling anyone's speech. It's not prohibiting anyone's speech. It's helping those professors and teachers in our schools that do not want to be sued for not using a certain person's pronoun, said its sponsor, Republican Representative Mary Bentley, according to the Democrat Gazette. Opponents of the bill said using the preferred term shows respect. I would think, folks, that it just enables bratty behavior. My special pronouns are this, and my special pronouns are that, and my special sexual identity is this, and you have to bow to what I want. So you better do that. And I guess, folks, for one student here and there is fine, but let's face it, folks, when one does it, you think there aren't 30 behind them wanting the same treatment. Anyway, let's pick that back up. Opponents of the bill say that using the preferred term shows respect. That's one of the simplest decencies that we can give someone. That's not hard, Democratic Representative Fred Love said. That's not difficult. That's just a bit of decency and a bit of respect, and I think that's what we need to do. Rochelle Britton, a transgender activist and recent graduate of the William H. Bowen School of Law at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock, so this chick is a brand new law school graduate, good Lord, testified against the bill in a committee hearing Tuesday. This bill targets trans kids. It is aimed at protecting intentional misgendering of our kids, Britain said, further noting that it violates federal law. President Joe Biden's administration, and that is creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer, his administration, has said Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972, which bans sex discrimination in education, bans anti-trans discrimination as well. And White Boy Malcolm X, speaking of creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer, quick question for you. Do you think, because let's face it, folks, creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer, he loves to sniff women's hair, right? There are tons of pictures out there on the interwebs where creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer is sniffing women's hair, right? But White Boy Malcolm X, the question I have for you is, do you think that he would sniff a transgender woman's hair or does he just like to sniff the hair of cisgender women? You think he would do both, Well, we need to test that, folks, because they have that new transgender undersecretary or assistant secretary or what have you over at the Department of Health and Human Services. Maybe she can go over to the White House and he can sniff her hair and see if he likes it just as much as he does with the cisgendered girls and women that he does it with. Bentley, however, has called for actions that go beyond HB 1749, claiming some students want to identify as animals. We have a real issue in our state. (laughs) Honey, you are in Arkansas. Yes, we know. And I need our districts to take a look at this and do more than this bill does, she said. This bill is just a first step to help protect our teachers. But when we have students in school now that don't identify as a boy or a girl, but as a cat, as a furry, we have issues. And I know you liberals are out there (laughs) screaming at this podcast again, going, Miller! Miller, that is just crazy, that right-wing Republican nut, that dumb Republican chick. She is just absurd to say that kids would go out there and identify as cats. That is just nutty, and this is this stuff's got to stop. And folks, you know, I might almost agree with you, right? Because I'm thinking, well, that maybe is kind of a little weird, right? 
for them in Arkansas. Now, it is Arkansas, folks, so God knows what they're doing in Arkansas. Although, I have to say, White by Malcolm X, we really don't have a lot of teacher bait stories out of Arkansas, which is kind of weird. Because you know, they, <laughs> folks, you know they're banging their students in Arkansas as well. But yeah, not a lot of teacher bait stories out of Arkansas. And like I said, I think, yeah, I was kind of thinking, yeah, maybe this is a bridge too far. It's kind of weird to be like, okay, people are identifying as cats. <laughs> Stop being such a drama queen out there over in Arkansas. But folks, right as I was about to agree with you folks and say, yeah, saying that we need to put a law in place because kids might start identifying as cats, that is just weird. And yeah, honey, call it a day. Too much, right? But folks, I did check with the liberal Bible, the New York Times. (laughs) And how's this headline? A guide to neo-pronouns. And you folks are like, neo-pronouns? What the heck is a neo-pronoun? Well, let's find out together. Are you a person, place, or thing? We have good news. A personal pronoun is a form of speech that stands in for a person or group of people. She is having opinions online. They are fighting in the comments. And, of course, as the Prince song made famous by Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares to you. Non-binary pronouns as well, often the singular they and them, have become widespread. (laughs) Yeah, I don't need the New York Times to tell me that. A 2019 Pew Research study found already that one in five Americans knew someone who uses non-binary pronouns. God, bless your hearts for having to deal with someone with their pain in the ass special pronouns. And then there are neo-pronouns. A neo-pronoun can be a word and created to serve as pronoun without expressing gender, like Z and Zir. A neo-pronoun can also be a so-called noun self-pronoun, in which a pre-existing word is drafted into use as a pronoun. And this is where it gets interesting. So you folks out there bashing that state representative in Arkansas for going too far with the fact that there might be people out there identifying as cats. This is where the New York Times gets very interesting. Listen to this. Noun self-pronouns can refer to animals. So your pronouns can be bun, bun self, and kitten, kitten self. Others refer to fantasy characters, vamp, vamp self, princess, princess self, fay, fair, fay self, or even just common slang like in it, in it, and in itself. <laughs> and I'm not reading any more of that, but folks, the New York Times, this printed out, folks, to five pages about neo-pronouns. So can you imagine, and you are a fool if you can't, but I can totally see some snarky 14 or 15-year-old going up to their teacher and saying, my pronouns are kitten and kitten self, <laughs> right? And this poor teacher now, unless there is a law in the books in the state of Arkansas, goes, crap, I got to call this dumb, dopey chick or this snarky queen about to come out of the closet. I've got to call them kitten and refer to them as kitten. So you folks out there laughing at the state of Arkansas, trying to put something like this in place, the New York Times has now introduced us to neo-pronouns where Kids can now call themselves kitten self or cat self or dog self, dog, dog self, whatever. So, yes, that is already on its way. If the New York Times is writing a five-page article about a neo-pronoun, this crap is already in the school systems. And they are glorifying it for all the other brats out there who don't have enough to torture their teachers with. Now they have something else. My pronouns are vamp, vamp, so. Like, get out of my face, you dumb queen. I told you folks that they, them was just the beginning. They were just getting ramped up. And then we had Zizir, and now we have Kitten Kitten Self. (laughs) So who knows what they will come up with next. But yeah, 
It will continue for sure. From Fox News, I got to move away from this crap. Let's have something more fun. From Fox News, New York parents seeks okay to marry their own adult child. <laughs> oh, thank God for this kind of story. I tell you what, though, this is a perfect Florida story. And it could possibly be a kind of Florida story, right? They could be snowbirds, go down to Florida half the year, come back. But yes, apparently a parent in New York wants to get married to their own adult child. So let's find out more about this. I take my child to be my lawfully wedded spouse. A New Yorker who wants to marry their own adult offspring is suing to overturn laws, barring the incestuous practice, calling it a matter of individual autonomy. The pining parent seeks to remain anonymous because their request is an action that a large segment of society views as morally, socially, and biologically repugnant, according to court papers. Through the enduring bond of marriage, two persons, whatever their relationship they might otherwise have with one another, can find a greater level of expression, intimacy, and I think I just threw up a little in my mouth, and spirituality, the parent argues in the Manhattan Federal Court claim filed April 1st. And no, folks, I do not think this is an April Fool's joke, unfortunately. Legal papers give only the barest picture of the would-be newlyweds, failing to identify their gender, ages, hometowns, or the nature of their relationship. The proposed spouses are adults, the filing says. The proposed spouses are biological parent and child. The proposed spouses are unable to procreate together. So I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, if they are unable to procreate, I wonder if one of them is fixed Or if this is a gay wedding, that we have a mama who loves her daughter or a father who loves his son. Ooh, that is creepy no matter which way they go. Incest is a third-degree felony under New York law, punishable by up to four years behind bars, and incestuous marriages are considered void with the spouses facing a fine and up to six months in jail. So white boy Malcolm X, you can screw your own child and you only get to go to jail for four years. But if you are a teacher, and you screw teacher rate, right? If you go, oh, no, 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 I'm going to get that teacher rate, and you get that teacher rate, you in certain states, right, folks, in the South, they will put your ass in jail for 10 to 20 years for banging a student. But in New York, you can bang your own kid, and you're only going to jail for four years. Man, something seems out of whack with that. The parent in the new case who hears wedding bells when looking at their own child said that they want to propose, but would sustain emotional harm if they did so while the current laws are in effect. So white boy Malcolm X, you have a parent out there who is eyeing up their kid, and I guess the kid doesn't know, right? Or there's something creepy going on. There is incest, but there is no proposal of marriage. But this parent is out there eyeing up their own kid, which I guess in New York, you're only going to go to jail for four years for. So they're like, ah, I can do the time. I love my kid. And they are eyeing up their kid and they want to propose, but they are going to sustain emotional harm if they propose to their child and this law is in effect. Did I get that right? Okay. I just want to make sure they are going to sustain emotional harm. And I'm thinking, white boy Malcolm X, I'm like, what kind of drama queen out there would want to propose to their own child. So it's a creepy drama queen, right, folks? But what sort of drama queen would say, I want to do this, but there's a law in place. And if I do it with the law in place, I'm going to sustain emotional harm. I'm going to be traumatized over this. Who would do that, you think, White by Malcolm X? A millennial. (laughs) Yes, a millennial. And 
we know, folks, that the eldest millennials are at the age of about 40. I think the oldest millennials are now 40 or 41 years old. So technically, they could have a kid who is of legal age, right? They could have a kid who's, I don't know, depending on how young they got started. I know they're kind of lazy, right, folks? They don't like to have sex. They're generally in their parents' basement doing up their sex doll or doing themselves or what have you. God knows what they're doing down there. Those millennial men are generally not having sex with women, and the women are too busy anyway because they are out there as the stormtroopers of the Black Lives Matter movement. So they are too busy to have sex anyway. But, you know, hey, sometimes it happens. Odd things happen. Miracles do happen from time to time. And a millennial man and a millennial woman get together and have sex, right? And they procreate, and they've got a kid. And then 20 years later, I don't know what's going on there, but let's face it, folks. Who else in society is hysterical enough who is as big a drama queens as a millennial to complain about the fact that they cannot propose to their own child and get married to them and it would sustain emotional harm to them because this law is in place that they can't do this. Who else but a millennial is this high maintenance? Now, I know, yes, that the baby boomers are out there, right? They are pretty high maintenance, right? We know that the baby boomers are high maintenance, but I'm sitting there going, I don't know. I cannot imagine a baby boomer complaining about sustaining emotional harm like a millennial would, right? That is their cause du jour every day, right? I'm going to sustain emotional harm if this happens to me. I'm so triggered. I need a safe space if I'm going to propose to my own child. So yes, you sick millennials out there wanting to marry your own kids. Man, you folks are, bless your hearts. That's all I can say to that. I guess incest is best. Put your kitty to the test. I guess that is how they roll in New York. Creepy, creepy, creepy. You folks out there, man, you are a hot mess. Speaking of hot messes, as if Greta Thunberg was not enough of a dope parade in this podcast, David Hogg drops Pillow Venture launched during spat with Mike Lindell. God help us, folks. God help us. If David Hogg and Greta Thunberg get together and produce a child. <laughs> a sure sign of the apocalypse of those two breed and uh, and produce an offspring. Thankfully, folks, thankfully, those two clowns are too narcissistic to worry about anyone other than themselves. So we, I think, for now, are safe from those two meeting and procreating. But <laughs> ooh, just the thought of a hog Thunberg child running around this planet. So let's go ahead and find out more about what this silly drama queen is doing, dropping out of her pillow venture. He must have slept on it. Parkland shooting survivor David Hogg says he's giving up his role in the pillow company he launched to compete with conservative MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell and going back to activism. And White Boy Malcolm X, did I tell you that I got my pillow and I didn't buy it when Mike Lindell was getting uh, the crap beat out of him in the media. I just happened to order one right before that. But did, did I tell you I got one? I got two of them, actually. But yeah, I, they're actually pretty good, folks. I mean, he is not a sponsor of this program. I'm just giving him a cheap plug. I bought the pillows just randomly. I was like, I needed new pillows. And I thought, let me try the My Pillow brand. I'll just try them. If I don't like them, I can send them back, right? And I tried them. And hey, I kind of like them. So yeah, if you uh, need a new pillow, I would say go ahead and get a My Pillow. I am not making a penny off of that referral. But yeah. I happen to like them and just look for the coupons because they're kind of pricey. Hog 20. So that little douchebag, White Boy Malcolm X, that little brat, David Hogg, is now 20 years old, announced on Twitter Saturday, resigned and released all shares, any ownership, and any control of Good Pillow LLC effective immediately. 
The reasons for my departure rest entirely with me and my own personal commitments, and I truly wish co-founder William Legate nothing but the best he wrote. Over the next several months, I will be taking some time to focus on my studies in college and advance the gun violence prevention movement with March for Our Lives and personally. Hogg, who was a Majory Stoneman Douglas High School student during the slaughter in 2018, said in early February that he was working with Legate, a tech entrepreneur on a rival pillow firm. He claimed the progressive competition could put Lindell, who hawks patented foam pillows on infomercials, out of business. The so-called pillow fight had been greeted with ambivalence by Lindell himself, who had responded to Axios that there's nothing wrong with competition that does not infringe on someone's patent. Lindell was probably like, that stupid little douchebag, bring it on. In his tweet Saturday, the Harvard University student, so yes folks, he is a little douchebag on the Harvard University campus, said he realized he couldn't devote 100% to his pillow company because of other commitments, including school, family, and his activism. He said he would leave it up to the gate to fulfill their vision of building an ethical company that produces products that people need while creating good union-paying jobs and supporting social causes at the same time. So, white boy Malcolm X, call me a cynic, but I have a question for you. I have two hypotheticals for you. Which do you think is more likely? The first one is that David Hogg figured out that he was not going to make as much money at his pillow company and it was going to be a lot more work to actually run a business than he would be making at his little, his social justice March for Our Lives shtick that he's got going on, right? Because those nonprofits, folks, they make huge bank, and I'm sure he got paid handsomely to be part of that, right? So I'm sure he was making a lot of money, and he really didn't have to do a lot, right? All he had to do was show up and grandstand <laughs> and talk about himself, right? And about how he was affected, and him this, and him that, and blah, 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 right? And they probably paid him good money. He didn't really have to do any work, right? But the pillow company, now he's going to have to do a little work. And it was probably, folks, going to be a lot more effort to get a company like this off the ground. So what do you bet, White by Malcolm X, that he just was like, hey, I need the easiest path forward. I need the one with the most money and the least amount of effort. So I'm going to just get out of this thing and go back to my old shtick because the new shtick is too difficult for a princess like me. Right? That's option one. Number two, William Legate, his co-founder, he got fed up with this little brat running around grandstanding and carrying on on Twitter and doing all his other stupid stuff. And he's probably like, look, you little brat. I can't take this anymore. Are you going to be serious about this or are you just going to be a little twerp and run around a grandstand and be a little brat to everyone, right? And William said, you need to go, right? I'm paying for everything and you're sitting around on your ass doing nothing, right? I'm the one designing the pillow. I'm the one doing all the other work. I'm the one doing the LLC. I'm doing all the other paperwork. I'm doing everything myself and you're sitting around. I don't know what the hell you're doing on a college campus. You're too dumb to get into Harvard. They only let you in there because they felt sorry for you and they wanted a social justice warrior on the campus like they don't have enough. Right, So this kid who was too dumb to get into a community college down in Florida where he's from, suddenly he's at Harvard. He is a social media star. He is a little douchebag. He is the male. And I use that term lightly with David Hogg, right? Because he is kind of a man. He's a beta man if there ever was one, right? He is a wimp and a pansy and he probably cries and soils his pants every time he gets upset about something. He is definitely the male version of Greta Thunberg. But what do you think it was, White by Malcolm X? He went the easier path and dropped out that way, or he was thrown out by his business partner. He quit before he got fired. 
Now that, folks, that is a better theory than what I had, right? I had the either or, right? He quit because he was just being lazy or he was thrown out because he was just being lazy, right? He was being lazy either way, right? But uh, yeah, that is a good point, White by Malcolm X. I will give you full credit for that. He quit before he was fired. Just what Harvard needs to. <laughs> that little douchebag running around. I'm David Hogg. I'm here to be a social justice warrior. This next story, folks, is a teacher bait story. But it is a teacher bait story like we have never done before. So you teachers out there, you folks out there, eyeing up that fresh teacher bait going, I'm nom, 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 nom. I'm nom, nom, nom. I gotta get me some of that fresh teacher bait. I gotta get me some of that fresh teacher bait. Miller, let me hear that story, Miller, because I want to know where I can go to get the best teacher bait ever. Okay then, folks, here you go. This is from the South China Morning Post. And this headline, folks, whew, you teachers out there, you better sit down for this one because it's going to get you really excited. China considers banning teachers from sexual relationships with primary and middle school students and new rules on harassment. So yes, folks, apparently in China, you can bang your primary and middle school students and it's not against the law. So all those planes going back and forth between the U.S. and China are now going to be full heading over to China. China is considering following other countries and banning teachers from dating young students, according to a circular release to solicit public opinion. So you teachers out there, if you are against this, you can express yourself to the Chinese authorities. The draft of school protection order for juveniles was issued by the Ministry of Education on Tuesday and, if passed into law, requires primary and middle schools to prohibit teachers from dating students or having sex with them. So man, those Chinese authorities, those communist Chicoms, they are a killjoy out there if they are going to deny a teacher their fresh teacher bait. Although the age of consent in China is 14 years of age, so if you didn't think those planes were full yet, they are going to cram themselves into the cargo holds of those planes. <laughs> those teachers are headed to China come hell or high water. The proposed ban spells out prohibited behaviors by teachers towards students beyond those covered by statutory rape provisions, while also including students above the age of consent. Other predatory behaviors that hurt students' physical and mental health listed in the document include molesting students by groping or intentionally touching particular parts of their body, flirting, teasing, or making sexually suggestive comments. <laughs> oh, I just don't even want to think about that, but yeah, I can see some nasty high school teacher. <laughs> Making a sexually suggestive comment. Hi, teacher bait. Would you like to stamp my eraser sometime? <laughs> that would be sick teacher on teacher bait suggestive comments there. Teachers found violating the rules would receive disciplinary punishment and prevented from joining any award competitions for a period of one to three years. If the school principal is responsible for an incident or found to have failed in their duty of care, they could be removed from their job for up to five years, the document said. And I assume, folks, that that would enjoy some Chinese hard labor prison camp, if not a bullet to the head. But uh, yeah, that is what they get if they are caught over there in China. And you high school teachers here in the U.S., if you think that going to a U.S. jail is bad, I would not want to uh, venture into a Chinese jail and run that violation, getting tossed into one of those. But if you're thinking about it, if you are a teacher out there and you want to eye up some fresh Chinese teacher bait, you want to go over there and say, I don't know, teach English over in China, listen to this because this might get you out of some trouble. 
The public can send feedback about the order before April 23rd. It's unclear if the order will be passed or when it would be put into effect. So yes, folks, there is still time out there. If you are a teacher and you want that fresh teacher bait, you want that fresh Chinese teacher bait, you're like, mm, nom, 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 nom. that would be delicious. I can go get me some fresh Chinese teacher bait. You still have time to make sure that that law is turned down. And don't think for a second, folks, that those teachers in China aren't going to try to shoot that thing down. Uh-oh, White Boy Malcolm X, another celebrity is in trouble for using a homophobic slur. This article, folks, is from Querity, and here's the headline. Soccer star Sebastian Leggett apologizes for homophobic slur. And Sebastian, if you are listening to this podcast, I hope I am pronouncing your last name correctly. It is L-L-E-T-G-E-T. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that. We'll say Leggett. So if I am wrong, I apologize, just like you apologized for using a homophobic slur. L.A. Galaxy soccer player Sebastian Leggett has issued an apology after getting caught on camera using a homophobic slur. Outsports reports that Leggett uttered the word puto on camera in an Instagram post. (laughs) Just where you should always post your homophobic slurs on Instagram. Puto is the Spanish equivalent of faggot. Within hours of the video posting on Friday, Leggett had deleted it and issued a full apology to the LGBTQ sports site. So I guess, folks, you can use the word puto on Instagram, and they will not take that down. (laughs) I guess you can do that, and they that is just fine with those folks over at Instagram, right? So he had to delete it himself. He was not called into account by Instagram. I guess they're too busy with other things to worry about the word puto on their website. And here, folks, is his canned apology. I messed up. Earlier today, I posted a video that included me using a derogatory slur in Spanish, Leggett wrote. I have taken down a video from my Instagram story, but wanted to address its impact and not hide from this. I take full responsibility and ownership on what was an extremely poor and ill-thought phrase, and I have no excuse for my actions. I am sorry and know the pain that this term has caused for so many. And White Boy Malcolm X, I wonder who his sponsors are. (laughs) I wonder if... uh, This apology was like, oh, God, please, I don't want to lose my sponsors. I need to pay for all this stuff. Please, 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 sweet baby Jesus, don't have my sponsors quit on me. Please, 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 please. And I'll tell you what, folks, no athlete is that smart. And if you see a picture of this guy, he is, well, I want to say as dumb as a box of rocks. He looks that way anyway, but I do not want to insult a box of rocks. They get enough grief on this podcast for me to compare them to this moron. (laughs) It is a beautifully crafted apology, Sebastian. All the money that you're spending on these PR people, well worth whatever it costs. And folks, his apology is only halfway through. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem, and continue to be an advocate and an ally for the LGBTQ plus community, he added. Well, Sebastian, if you want to be an ally, at least for the queens out there, I I don't want to speak for the lesbians and everyone else, but for the queens out there, if you want to be an ally, you just need to run around with your shirt off more often. (laughs) And then all is forgiven. Those who know me know my character and heart. I will remain outspoken in my support and advocacy. My error doesn't change that. Thanks for your accountability. I need to do and be better. Homophobia within Major League Soccer continues to be an ongoing problem. (gasps) Heavens no. Last year, Brazilian soccer star Neymar da Silva Santos Jr., better known as Neymar, and I hope so because that name is a mouthful, 
made international headlines for using the Portuguese equivalent of faggot in reference to his mother's boyfriend. (laughs) Talk about fun at the family Thanksgiving while threatening to rape him with a broom handle. Man, Neymar, you are not playing around, son. In 2018, the LA Galaxy's Pride Night was disrupted by a group of fans in the crowd that kept chanting puto throughout the game. (laughs) So they were insulting all those queens coming down there to see all those soccer studs running around on Pride Night. So yes, folks, this is an ongoing problem. The use of the word puto or its equivalent in Portuguese or other languages threatening to rape him with a broom handle, white boy Malcolm X. Someone is pissed off that mommy isn't paying attention to him anymore. It'll be okay, Neymar. I promise you, it'll be okay. Mommy still loves you. (laughs) So, what to say, White by Malcolm X? What to say about Sebastian Leggett calling another soccer player a puto? I would just say this. Folks, this is not the hill I would choose to die on. It it really isn't. I don't really care. I guess that's what straight guys do. with each other. They like to question each other's masculinity. I guess that is big in the Latino community as well because, or sorry folks, if you are a snooty white liberal listening to this podcast, I know you're like a Latino, what Latino, what the hell is that? Mela, what the hell is Latino? Latinx. Ah, okay. I know what a Latinx is, right? So I am sorry out there. I have to be appreciative of all the folks out there listening on this podcast. So in the Latino or Latinx community, if you are a snooty white liberal, I guess I guess there is some sort of machismo within that community, and I guess they like to challenge each other by calling each other a puto, two straight Latino or Latinx guys to get together, and they want to tease each other. I guess they call each other a puto. I I don't really give a crap. Now, I know there are a lot of activists out there, right? And they get very, 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 very butthurt about someone calling someone else a fag or a faggot, right? So I guess that's the hill they want to die on, right? But I could care less. I'm like, whatever, you can call me a faggot, I don't care, right? I have been called a faggot more times than I can count. And I can count pretty high, folks. But yeah, I don't really give a crap about whether Sebastian Leggett wants to call another player a puto. If he wants to call me up and say, Miller, I think that you are a puto as well. I'll be like, hey, no duh. I am a queen. Of course I am a puto. So I am not going to get butthurt about him using that word. But I guess queerty, those folks over there, those queens over there, queerty, those social justice woke Folks over at Queerty are on his case. So he has got to do a massive, massive apology and apology tour. But you better do it shirtless, Sebastian, because the queens will only accept the apology if you are shirtless. We are down to two stories, white boy Malcolm X. Yes, two stories. I should have saved that one for the second to last. That would have been much more fun to go into the last story of the podcast. But no, folks, we're going back to a college campus one more time. This is from Campus Reform, and here's this headline. University researcher, intelligence is a white man's mythology. A University of Cincinnati graduate assistant wrote that intelligence is a white man's mythology. Stop calling your female colleagues smart or clever or brilliant, wrote Mel Andrews, who studies cognition and evolution. And folks, yes, Mel Andrews is another dopey, hysterical white chick trashing other white people. This time, though, she is not targeting all other white people. She is just targeting white men. So that's you and me, white boy Malcolm X. She's just going after us. It's sexist and infantilizing. It shouldn't be surprising to you in 2021 that women are capable of thought. Unless, Mel, those women happen to be graduate assistants at the University of Cincinnati, in which case nobody would call them smart or clever or brilliant. 
You're doing the same thing when you describe your black and Latino students as very bright, added Andrews. So folks, if you needed any evidence that Mel Andrews is a dopey graduate assistant on the University of Cincinnati campus, this stupid, unwoke chick referred to a Hispanic as a Latino. She did not use the word Latinx, which is what all good snooty white people use. So this halfwit down there can't even pull off woke when she's trying to throw the rest of us under the bus for not being woke. That's right, Mel. Woke Miller will call you out. Intelligence is a white man's mythology, a phantasmal concept, a non-referring term, syncategoramic, Andrews wrote. Well, aren't you fancy, Mel? Mel likes those big fancy words, folks, like phantasmal and syncategoramic. Wow, you are so smart. Indicating that the post was entirely serious, so obviously there are a lot of people out there looking at this dumb chick and going, is she for real? (laughs) Is this stupid white chick for real with this crap? But yes, I guess she's like, I'm being serious. I'm being totally serious, guys. Stop picking on me. It was followed by an excerpt from a chapter Andrews wrote for a book entitled Handbook of Parenting. Great Caesar's ghost, white boy Malcolm X. I hope she's not breeding. (laughs) Last thing we need, other than a dumb offspring of Greta Thunberg and David Hogg, is this dopey chick Mel Andrews breeding as well. Andrews cited works claiming that, and folks, before I get into her quote, if you don't already think she's some sort of (laughs) half-wit snit on a college campus, listen to this pablum. More than a century of wanton reductionism and definitional vagueness in the study of intelligence and human potential has perpetuated a stratified social order and obscured the true dynamic complexity and diversity of human cognitive development. And folks, she couldn't explain that if her life depended on it. Andrew's most recent research paper received several thousand downloads. I was addressing a phenomenon that I have noticed to be common in academic philosophy, wherein individuals emphasize the intelligence of minority scholars and students over the quality of the work they produce, Andrews explained to Campus Reform. It is the same phenomenon that occurs when a white instructor says to a black student in a surprised tone, oh, you're so articulate. And folks, she is throwing liberal white professors (laughs) under the bus when she writes that, It implies an expectation that black students will be ineloquent. It was not, as is contextually obvious from what I had initially posted, a condemnation of intelligence ascriptions simpliciter. Andrews also asked to be referred to as a Marxist and an anarcho-syndicalist, whatever the hell that is, with they, them, their pronouns, adding, your readers should love that. (laughs) Bless your heart, Mel Andrews. Bless your silly, pretentious, half-wit heart, God. Mel, let me just tell you something. Let me speak truth to power, as you would like to say. You are not, as I said earlier, you are not smart, clever, or brilliant. I mean, you are at best, dear. You are a D-rate scholar at the University of Cincinnati. You are only a graduate assistant. And if you think you are going to see tenure in your lifetime, you are wrong. (laughs) Because not even at a half-wit school like the University of Cincinnati are they going to let you be a professor, especially when you just throw a bunch of them under the bus like that. You are just another in a very, very, very long line of self-loathing, dopey white chicks. You are boring the hell out of me, Mel. I am laughing. I am laughing very hard over here. 
at our studio here outside of Boston. I am laughing at your superior intellect. <laughs> you are a joke. And there are a lot of jokes on college campus, dear, but you are a joke among jokes. <laughs> Bless your heart is all I have to say. And I, I am done with her, White by Malcolm X. I cannot take that anymore. White by Malcolm X, she probably has one of those affected valley girl voices. You know, like everything's like a question. You know, those millennial chicks and the, the Gen Z chicks have. I don't know when that became the rage again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that is back and. That is what she probably sounds like as she's like going around talking about like white men are so bad and stuff, you know, and like I'm talking about. <laughs> Bless your heart, Mel. Okay, finally, our smoking gun story. We are at the last story of our podcast. Not the best smoking gun story, folks, but hey, like I said earlier, we got a bunch of lemons, but I am going to make you some delicious, delicious lemonade with these stories. So let's try it with this one as well. Female couple left child alone in car while they shopped at adult novelty store, police say. Two women left a four-year-old boy. (laughs) What is it with lesbians and little boys? I don't know why. I've said this before in previous podcasts, but lesbians love having boys and queens love having little girls. (laughs) But anyway, these two lesbians went into an adult novelty store and that, folks, is a sex toy store. (laughs) But they call it adult novelty to be PC, but... Anyway, two women left a four-year-old boy unattended in a car while they shopped Saturday evening at an adult novelty store in Connecticut, police report. A state trooper was dispatched around 8 p.m. to the, get this folks, Amazing Intimate Essentials Adult Store. (laughs) It's amazing! In North Stonington after a witness dialed 911 to report a child alone in a vehicle, according to an arrest report. So these two lesbians who left their four-year-old in a car... (laughs) Got tattletailed some other customer going in there to buy some sex toy. <laughs> tattletailed on them for leaving their four-year-old boy in the car. Probably some millennial white boy Malcolm X. Some guy ordering his custom-made sex doll <laughs> to take down to his parents' basement and defile at will. <laughs> yeah, they got tattletailed on someone calling up 911. There's a child in the car. These two lesbians left a child in the car. They're trying to buy dildos and the kid's in the car alone. Get out here. Send a popo. The trooper subsequently located the boy alone in the auto and determined that the child's mother and her partner had been inside the store for approximately 15 minutes purchasing items. Now that, folks, is a lot of sex toys for two lesbians while the child was left unsupervised in the vehicle. Police then arrested Victoria Mortensen, the child's 25-year-old mother, and Monet Blake, 28. Mortensen was charged with risk of injury to a child And folks, I have no idea if that involved the sex toys. (laughs) Kid might get hurt on one of those and leaving a child unsupervised in a motor vehicle. Blake was charged with leaving a child unsupervised in a motor vehicle. I guess those two lesbians, folks, I guess they do not trust the other to go in and buy the sex toys alone. I am not letting you go into that store alone. I do not like the type of dildos you get. I want to go in there and help you pick that because I am not going to put up with with the crap that you've been buying lately. We're going to go into this together. What about the kid? Leave him. He doesn't need to see this. Mortensen and Blake, who lived together in Utica, New York, so these two lesbians went to Connecticut to get their sex toys, are scheduled for a May 11th court appearance. And folks, of course, the only thing I have to say is that little boy, bless your heart. Your mommies are screwed up, son. So hopefully they don't damage you too badly. Sex toys, white boy Malcolm X. Sex toys... And we know what lesbians like, but hey, whatever. I just feel bad for the kid. 
But on that note, folks, since I cannot top two lesbians taking 15 minutes, taking their good old sweet time, picking out sex toys, leaving a four-year-old in a car <laughs> because they don't trust each other to do it alone, since I cannot top the two of them, let's go ahead and plug-pull this Wednesday podcast of the Miller Frost Show. Thank you so much for stopping by this Wednesday podcast. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Have a great rest of your week, a great start to your weekend, and we will see you back here on Sunday. In the meantime, take care.